Hi, Nick. Hi, Caleb. Hey, so um, I was wondering, uh, you know those like teams where people are in like uh, kayaks and oh, they're like, they're like using oars? What do you right, call that? Like a boater pillar. Yeah, like a like boater pillar. Like it's got pillar. a lot of legs what and it's it? all the people. Are you talking about a galleon or are you talking about a, um, no, a I'm crew? Talking, like, okay, crew. Yeah, but what is the thing that they're they're doing i actually just totally forgot it's the word paddling for. it's rowing rowing, rowing. okay that's okay, what's right. called. okay so um i was just gonna say i discovered this in college and yeah. it came up recently because there's like one of those machines one of those rowing machines at my gym okay yeah uh and uh, people that row people that uh that do that mm-hmm. tend to develop like really toned nice bodies oh yeah you know they're, what I'm talking about? they're that that part of their body is really good mm, that part of their body but then also because of that because they're working out and because they have to work out in general too, uh-huh. because you have to have a surprising amount of leg power yeah it seems. They also tend to get pretty nice hindquarters. Okay, sure. You know what I'm talking about? I'm hearing you. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Yep. Um, and you know what uh, we in the business of liking cute boys call that? Oh, what? We call that a robot, Nick. bury me with your funny (laughs) i'm simultaneously the most and least proud of that one i'm i'm so honored to have been a part of that like this whole thing is worth it for me because of that moment oh man uh thank you yeah (laughs) no problem um so this week We're recording this on Thursday. Yeah. uh, After the election on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Feeling a little bit rough. Um, Yes. Just a heads up. We planned on recording one about Sonic 1 this week, but um, there was not enough time for games. No time for games. Not enough time. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm the world's ultimate life form. There's no time for games. Goodbye. (laughs) As Shadow the Hedgehog would tell us. Salute. Um... But we went ahead and watched an episode of uh, Sonic Underground, and mm-hmm. we've gone ahead and we watched it together today, and we watched it without pausing a million times. Yep, which only is like great. three pauses, maybe just mm-hmm. a couple of couple of note moments. Yeah, just a few. Ah, boy. But um, we are gonna go ahead and jump right into that. So this episode of your two show, <laughs> <laughs> um, the episode of Sonic Underground was called "To Catch a Queen." Yeah. In the in the last episode, we have to catch a mouse, you need cheese, and to catch a hedgehog, you need. Why don't I just to catch a hedgehog, you need <laughs> to, catch a hedgehog. to catch a hedgehog. To catch a hedgehog. I think the word hedgehog is starting to blur in my head into like like a different semantic entity. Yeah, like it's, I'm, it's become I a think proper noun. So much about hedgehogs now that I just think <laughs> hedgehog, and I don't have time <laughs> to say it. I, I got to go fast, etc. Mm-hmm. So in any case. You really episode, routed that pathway in your brain, so now you're just doing it quicker and quicker. Oh, I'm just going, I'm doing laps. I'm doing mm-hmm. laps on the word hedgehog. So we've uh, in this episode we learn kind of what you need to catch a queen. <laughs> I'm not sure. Except if they ever I don't address think, it. Yeah, I don't think we do. <laughs> um, we see uh, that is a non-connection. <laughs> We see a lot more transformation on Dingo's part. Oh man, yeah. we see some new powers. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You gonna do the recap? Yes, I'm okay. about to. I'm about to do that. I was just prepping. Oh, for the excuse recap. me. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm Ooh, a little. I'm sass, a little out of sorts. Sass. I'm a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, here we go. Um, so here's what happens on this episode. Uh, we open <laughs> on a scorpion ship. <laughs> Queen Alina here. <laughs> she, says. she says again. I yeah. didn't realize. So that happened last episode, but I didn't notice it the first two or three. Yeah. So it was especially surprising to have it happen again. I wonder if that's just going to be every episode from this point uh, on. I, she's our like secret, not so secret narrator. Yeah. yeah. Queen Alina here. <laughs> Uh, and she uh, tells us that her one of her like loyal closest uh, helper friends uh-huh. named Argus yes. is on his way to a rendezvous point with her to uh-huh. talk about I guess their plans for the rebellion right. And uh, on the way, he gets intercepted by Dingo and Sleet, who are driving their scorpion machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, their scorpion machine is hilarious. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> they, uh, they stop him, uh, which we'll get into exactly how. Yeah. They. Uh, they catch him and they roboticize him, leading the three of them to try the three of the hedgehogs to go try and save him. Yep. Argus is like a Argus is kind of like a It's like a dog he's a dog a dog person. He's another Tarzan. Yeah, like yeah. before. He's got an eye patch. Yep. Um so uh oh gosh. Yeah, some of, like some of these people are like big humanoids and some of them are different sh- like there's there's a certain kind of like we need a like a hot dad like right. animal man in here that like the, the Tarzan cat filled and Argus kind of fills. In any case, he gets his own like theme music. Yeah. He gets, he gets a whole sequence where he's like running away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I'm starting to wonder if maybe it's an age thing. What if as you get older, oh. you become taller and more humanoid? Oh, okay. Sure. Because the, everybody we know that is not like that are like portrayed as youth yeah how, however old they are yeah, yeah, yeah we're yeah. not sure exactly but they're definitely not of the el- elder class yeah okay sure so i'm not totally sure but that's what it's kind of makes like. sense yeah um which implies that maybe sonic eventually would grow into Ooh, one of those that's a he- i mean her, uh, alina doesn't well she has she's a little bit more yeah yeah oh my goodness dang the what's a grown-up sonic look like oh no fan artists get at us tell me show me how tall does he get how many abs does he have <laughs> probably a bunch of them probably plenty yeah, he's probably got a lot um so <laughs> moving on with this episode they uh they he gets captured and he gets roboticized but uh as they apparently know because it's just one of those things that everybody knows yeah every single robot has to go through a baccalaureate <laughs> uh graduation ceremony <laughs> to celebrate the fact that they're no longer humans yeah and to be given their official orders as robots yeah so um and apparently robotnik either attends every single one of these individually or he went to this one especially because it was a particularly nice capture it seemed like a symbolic victory mm-hmm. like he's presenting this person as like ah we've got some we've got one of their their biggest uh, soldiers yeah you know? and they said that it was a they they implied that he would be an even more powerful robot because of that which was kind of an interesting yeah that's a thing. weird one um and then they crash the baccalaureate by pretending to be sound people uh-huh. who are playing in a band yeah sound bots sound bots yeah <laughs> uh they <laughs> They try to save him. They use their medallions to bring back his, uh, like, original brain for a little bit. Yes. It's a temporary fix, but he's able to communicate as Argus. Um, even though he's still purely robotic, 100% robotic. That was completely wild. Yeah. yeah. Um, one interesting thing about it is that even though he didn't have an eye patch anymore, one of his eyes was totally different and was, like, glitching out a lot. Oh, yeah. Cool. Weird. Um, and then they... They try to find out information about where their mom might be by using the underground network, yeah. uh, a la Sherlock, uh-huh. where they uh-huh. uh, 
manic leads them to like where all of his like street people gather yeah and uh street people i don't uh, uh, what do you like the, the thieves guild like yeah the, like the, the thieves they guild. are the street people they're they're like the un, they are the 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 lowest of the low class like lower class like yeah. the the people who are either thieves or you know whatever else by by trade because that's all that's left for them mm-hmm. um uh yeah he goes in and is like he's like we should ask my friends because if i put the word out we'll get the answer for sure we'll get the 411 we'll get the 411 uh so they do a song that is actually my favorite song so far it was a really good song it was catchy and it was really funny because it was a song that if you were to hear it outside of context of the show just sounds like kind of a simple love song yeah like i'm trying really hard to catch this special girl uh listen like help me out give me the 411 on where she might be so i can like see her right uh but then in context of course the special girl special woman special girl special lady lady is uh uh, is their mother which yeah. is funny um i and this is when i started to wonder if they are like trying to make singles out of these like uh, yeah I'd, maybe yeah um and then the so they they get no information from that absolutely none uh but they do get dingo in disguise coming and pretending like he knows where their mom is yep uh in order to lead them into a trap and capture them yeah they do not get captured they escape uh they use their magic to give uh him back his brain for a little Argus back his brain right, for a little right, while. Right. Argus helps them escape. Mm-hmm. They think they see their mom, but we don't ever see her face, so it's, it's weirdly obscured. Yeah. Um. And uh, Dingo, disguised as Argus, tries to catch her and pretend that. Yep. Uh, that he is Argus, so that he can like finally get the queen. Yep. The queen doesn't really seem to fall for it, and Sonic gets there in time to warn her. They uh stop. The whole bad team. Yeah. From... Block off the whole path by causing a cave in. Yeah, because Manic has a bunch of powers that let him do that. Yep. And then, uh, and then they run away from the bad guys, and then that's the end of the episode. Yeah. This episode felt a lot more like a sort of temporarily disconnected one-off kind yeah. of thing. Like, not quite, not, not monster of the week, but like adventure of the week. And, and uh, that said, I think this might be the most well-crafted episode so far. Huh. In terms of, like, actual arc and, okay. like, uh, kind of in- internal logic, maybe, where it just told one complete story it felt a lot less like there was a lot less wait what yeah 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 yeah. because even though um so they still so they, they very suddenly introduced like it's funny that during the 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 theme song we saw sonya's motorcycle and i said oh man i can't wait for her to have that motorcycle and i was like has she ridden it yet no but it you know and usually tv shows they wait longer to introduce more vehicles and more weapons and you know in, they flesh out the toy line as the series progresses <laughs> but it but then there they were suddenly with vehicles yeah right off the bat they have new vehicles halfway through the episode they have new powers sonya's got a tron bike manic's got a hoverboard uh-huh. and apparently sonic drives the van yeah sonic drives the van which is great uh-huh. um and he also, uh, he also, of course, has his own feet, which are faster exactly. than the rest of them. Right. Like, why would he ride something else? Like, mm-hmm. the only reason for him to take the van is so that he can carry other people along. Yes. Like, and, that's his passenger mode. And because he's so used to going quickly, I bet his perception is heightened enough that he could go really quick in a car and be less likely to get into accidents. Ooh, I bet you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that was super interesting because the implication to me is that there. There is so much that they are going to get and that it's going to happen on this show that yeah. they can just throw powers out. Yeah. And it's great. Like, 
the uh, last year I rewatched the whole first season of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Great, which did a lot to disabuse me of some of my affection for it. <laughs> oh no! But only because, like, on an episode by episode basis, it isn't that great. There's a lot of filler in that show. Yeah. Um. But I loved that when I was a kid. It was a, a momentous occasion when that show began. Mm-hmm. I remember going home from school the day that it was going to start and watching it, and then beginning to karate chop for the rest of the year. But they <laughs> they make a major event out of introducing any new piece of equipment or yeah. any new development technologically or power-wise or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. they'll spend a whole week on the fact that the Green Ranger is about to become the White Ranger. Yeah, well, that was a really big <laughs> That is a huge, I mean, it, it was a huge event. But, I mean, and rightly so. Like, it's a yeah. good, that's one format. But this show is dropping stuff episode by episode and yeah. stacking up their powers and stacking up what they have available as tools and resources at an, at an alarming rate. And stacking up rules for the universe. We're yeah. on the second episode in a row where they have not gone back and addressed the uh, element system at all. Uh, true. Like, not even mentioned it a little Hasn't bit. Hasn't come up. Um, been no, but And there aren't that many players in, yeah. the, in this show. Like, the dragon was one of the, like, two extra characters in that one episode. Yeah. And, and a lot of them are Dingo. Uh-huh. Like they reuse Dingo in so many different roles that they don't have to keep introducing new people, which is an interesting utilitarian. Very interesting. I didn't even think about it as something that saves money, but it definitely does. Yeah. And then uh, another thing I was going to say, I'm not sure if I was just imagining this or if I'm just getting used to it. It almost seemed like the animation was better in this episode. Maybe so. Yeah. I don't um, know. There were a series of expressions that seemed a lot more like confident and comfortable. Yeah. One that comes to mind was Sonya's gasp yes. when when she realizes that Sonic already has these keys. She's like, <laughs> oh, we got to go over there and get these things. And he's like, I already did it. And she's like, oh, and I guess you went at the speed of light and got everything before we even And noticed. then he drops the keys and she goes, <gasps> and her mouth drops like three times lower than it ever does. Yeah. And the, both of the moments I'm thinking about were Sonya because she gets that gasp and then she gets a scream later on that takes up the whole screen. <laughs> it not only takes up the whole screen, it takes up the entire commercial break. Yeah. Like the show fades to black comes back and she's still going ah because she realizes she's taken dingo to dinner did we mention her amazing scream last episode too did we i don't think we actually it? did i think we oh forgot. my god because that was the best i'm gonna talk about this now sonya yep. has been getting all the best scream moments last episode as soon as they made that daddy comment when uh when robotnik was like you, you call can me dad, call me dad she leans forward throws her arms back and just goes ah <laughs> <laughs> this like totally like sudden and her face just looks disgusted she's not even scared she's just like ah this is gross she's just totally disgust like t- totally grossed out by it we talked about uh, not while we were recording about that moment and about how like wonderful it was that she didn't have this prolonged scream of terror that it was just this announcement yeah just like no <laughs> just like absolutely ah. not but in this one she does get the long scream but it was great it was <laughs> the right application of these two different screams just a lot of there's a nuanced understanding of how long a person should scream yeah in different circumstances and and that is I, it's so funny to me how common of a trope it is to have someone start screaming and then end screaming at the beginning of a commercial break yeah. because that's sort of an implicit hilarious joke because it's just going on but yeah. to bring it back like it like it's not always executed as well as that. Like yes. it was very good. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's a great way to to describe this episode too. It's almost like they're feeling their rhythm. They're getting their rhythm mm, going. Yeah. Some of the jokes landed better. Some of the uh, comedy seemed a little more tightly written. Yeah. There was a lot fewer uh, accidents or poorly crafted jokes. There sure. was a lot of like very well hit. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah, there really were, and and I guess because of the assumptions and the understanding of the world that are piling up very rapidly. I mean, it's very economically done 
in terms yeah. of like, okay, you already know all this. Like we don't, sure, they've got vehicles. You don't care. Like, yeah, who cares where they got them? That wasn't an interesting story. That was not an interesting enough story to tell to spend time on it. But hey, cool. Yeah. And it stands out so much from other children's cartoons of the time from our childhood, yeah. which seemed to want to milk every sequence yeah. as much as possible. That's what I was trying to get at talking about Power Rangers. Is yeah. that they don't. They're just like, hey, we got something else fun to do. Uh-huh. And we're not going to waste your time on it. You got to go fast. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's it's like it's like the creators are bubbling over with content they want to yeah. share. And they're like, we don't we, we can't even do this as much as slowly or as in depth as we would even want to because we've got so much to tell you. Yeah. And we we ta- we started out talking about this series as like maybe a thing that, w- that was like reluctantly done or yeah. like we're trying to cram a story that we're interested in into the framework of sonic or whatever which might who knows yeah hopefully one day we'll find out but but the fact is on our first episode of sonic exploder yeah exactly but the fact is whatever's going on they're into it like the, the yeah. there is so much story to tell there's so much fun so many fun ideas mm-hmm. like the very idea that 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 Dingo can get turned into anything, including maybe the crowning moment of that so far in this episode. Oh, my God. The football baby. The football baby. Dingo football baby alert. Take it, take it back to the 10-yard <laughs> line. We've got pacifiers on the field. <laughs> there, we've got, we've got four downs, and all those downs are dirty diapers, folks. <laughs> we, got, we got poopy diapers down. It's not... Uh, um, th- Something, it's going to roll. That's a ball joke. I'm good at sports. Uh. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) And that's what it sounds like when a baby tries to tell you the rules of football, folks. (laughs) That's why we only let them be the ball. (laughs) We only let them be the ball. We don't let them play the game. My dad told me to be the ball. And this is not what he meant. Be the ball. (laughs) Dingo, get sleet, and Dingo are chasing... Uh, are they chasing Sonic and, and company or are they chasing Argus? This is how they catch Argus, right? Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. Sleet turns Dingo. Y'all into- ever seen a toddler split the uprights? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Dingo. We're all going goo goo gaga for this one, folks. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> I can't come up with... Oh, God. All right. Good. Uh, raucous applause. Yeah, no, please go. Keep going. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand why you're slowing down. Sleet and Dingo are trying to catch... Mommy, Mommy. Argus. Mommy. And they're... Mommy, the team won't throw me hard enough. Caleb's making... Mommy. A baby face at me. Mommy. <laughs> mommy, I, I, mommy, I want the team to win. <laughs> I want them to kick me. Kick me better. <laughs> Kick me better and get those, those points. I swear to God. I, <laughs> I swear to God. I didn't put on my football bib for nothing. <laughs> um, I'm the number one football baby in the week, and I will not have you mess with my reputation. <laughs> it's not just about you. It's mostly about me. Mostly about me. I'm a star. <laughs> I'm no star. I I had to start going this route because I ran out of football things to say. Uh, everybody's everybody's uh, calling plays and they're playing ball, and it, uh, it looks like the football is playing with his binky. That one was fine. That one was okay. That's pretty good. I was like, I didn't know where that one was going to end, so I <laughs> playing with it. his you did. Di- his dinosaur toy. 
you know? Uh, We've got a timeout and a flag on the field because... We're going to need some dinosaur chicken nuggets. Can somebody please get some dinosaur chicken nuggets to the football? The game cannot commence and, uh, yeah. <laughs> For some reason, I can't... Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this well, I want to. I want to make it very clear that this moment was definitely worth this much time on the podcast because it was amazing. It was amazing. First of all, he t- when when the transformation happened, he turned Dingo into a baby. That was really clear at first. It was, was just he was just like a little a egg, a little egg baby. Yeah, he was wearing baby clothes. Was the main reason we got that across. Mm-hmm. But he had like on a bonnet and a little diaper. We see him from behind. Yeah. And then he gets thrown immediately. This baby gets thrown. And it, my first thought was like, what is the joke here about a yeah. thrown baby? And then as the baby is in the sky, he rotates. And you yeah. realize he's a football with a seam. He has stitches. <laughs> and a face. And a baby bonnet. Mm-hmm. And Sleet cries out, somebody catch my baby. That's the softest pigskin I ever saw. <laughs> Smooth <laughs> as a baby's pigskin. <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh, and I ruined it. Oh. So, and then, and then, so the Argus turns and catches because how are you not going to catch a baby that is also a football? That's two things. That's two you things. You definitely have to catch. If somebody throws a football at me, I'm definitely going to try and try fail to, to catch it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody throws a baby at me, Oh man, I actually don't know what I would do. Well, I, I, somebody was like, "Catch my baby." Oh man, I think the I would just responsibility is very high there, but yeah. I think you'd have to try. Argus looked like he probably played sports in high school, so he probably he, felt pretty confident. He's very confident, and he's like, "Sure, absolutely no problem. Happy to catch this baby as <laughs> usual." I catch babies all the time. Yeah, and uh, then Sleet immediately says, "Uh, they fall for the throne. They fall for the the, the baby old ball. Flying baby trick works every time." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can use it in all situations. Mm-hmm. Awkward Thanksgiving dinner, uh, flying baby. Oh, and then well, Argus catches him, and then Dingo grows back to full size and says, Goo goo gaga, loser. Sonic News. <laughs> <laughs> The only kind of news I can tolerate this week. All right, I got one piece of Sonic news. All right, yeah. Uh, That piece of Sonic news is that there's a terrifying picture of Sonic circulating on the internet, and I need you to see it. Okay. I had someone send it to me twice this morning. Okay, (laughs) I know. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah. Two uh, different people or the same person sent it to you twice? The same person twice, but I've had people point it out to me even before today, because it started circulating about a week ago. The first time I noticed it was on Merrick Kay's Twitter, which should give you a sign of the kind of humor we're about to dig into. Love that Merrick humor. Oh, please. Please check out Merrick Kay. I think it's just at Merrick Kay on Twitter. I think so. Two T's, two R's. Uh, Yeah. This is her world. We're just living in it. You can go to our Twitter to see this image, I'm sure. Yes, you absolutely can. Uh, and what we're looking at here together as a family, as a family unit, is a Sonic with um, g- giant simian feet and human hands. Well, what's happening here is he's, what? he's not wearing his shoes or his gloves. Oh my god, that's what's happening. Yes. Oh no. What you're seeing is, is an <clears throat> artist's rendering of what's going on behind those pieces of clothing. Oh, dear. His feet look like Bigfoot feet. Yeah, he's got Bigfoot feet because the shoes are very big. They'd have to be. This is a life, life-size life drawing of Sonic's feet. And then his hands with no gloves have big, gross fingernails on them. <laughs> the fingernails, I think, are my least favorite thing about this yeah, image. Yeah, that's what I kind of can't stop looking at. I hate this picture. I hate this picture so much. 
I also hate this picture. I hate it so much, and I hate it so powerfully that I want to make it my phone background so that I can hate it all the time. Don't you have enough to be angry about? No. That, this this is hate really, will make me stronger. This hate will only make me stronger. This is a satisfying, powerful hatred that I never want to let go of ever. This picture is very bad. Why did they do this? Okay, here's the thing. I don't remember... Somebody told me who drew this. I think Merritt found who drew it okay. and mentioned it. Yeah. I don't know where it came from right now off the top of my head because the okay. person who sent it to me today just sent the picture. No attribution. But uh, I totally recommend that you look up this picture, you find her, and you and you give them both a round of applause and a smack in the face. <laughs> you, give them, you give them a round of applause and then you finish that round of applause in their face. Yeah. The ra- a round of applause house kick. Ah! <laughs> A roundhouse of applause. Yes! <laughs> yes! That's very good. Saving the world one phrase at a time. So, here's my question. Yes. Do you think that to people that already find Sonic very attractive, seeing him oh. naked makes him more or less attractive to them? Oh. Wow, because that's really what it is. Because these are Sonic's only garments, and we're seeing him denuded. Yeah, we're seeing nude Sonic. And everybody's uh. got something they're not proud of hiding under there, you know? Sure. So I don't like to take off my socks, and not because I even have that gross of feet, because human uh. feet are despicable. I mean, speak for yourself. <laughs> I am. <laughs> and I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm you know, just saying. Hey, you know, despicable like, is uh, despicable is a relative term. That's absolutely despicable feet too. Mm-hmm. Despicable feet too. Or that that's where all the minions come. Minions from. are from. Mm-hmm. That's why I call them my ten little minions. <laughs> One little, two little, three little minions. Four little, five little, six little minions. Coming this coming this Halloween. Ah, uh, to a horror I, theater near you. I usually like naked things. That's okay. You know what? I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna agree with you. On I'm this gonna one. start from there. Mm-hmm. I'm usually into it. Uh, yeah, typically, like, typically I'm there. If for I it. see a nude thing, I'm like, nice. All right, nice, nice. Glad to mm-hmm. be here. Glad we started with okay. it. You know, you, you nailed it. You got it. You did the best part of waking up, which is no. getting naked. Actually, in my cup. And this has been Sonic News. <laughs> Alright, now back to Sonic Underground, episode five. To catch a queen. To catch a queen. My favorite thing about this episode is football baby. That's my, also yes. My second favorite thing is uh Dingo Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dingo is coming out strong as a source of not only like narrative momentum, but uh absolute humorous gold. Yeah, I just okay, so the first thing to point out is that they are definitely setting up a dingo flipping sides. Yes, the 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 possibility of resentment between him and Sleet has been made manifest in this episode. Yeah, in wherein he he is kicked off of the platform and then like on the ground is rubbing him rubbing him body, <laughs> rubbing him butt. Ru- he got kicked wherever he got Give kicked. Him body. <laughs> rubbing him body. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and where and he's looking up at sleet and it's just muttering to himself like one day it'll be my foot in your butt or whatever he says <laughs> yeah it was like a really weirdly complicated way of saying that he was like one day it'll be my footprint that you're rubbing 
out, out of, of your butt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One day, it will be the ridges of my shoe sole that you will feel in the skin of your butt. One day, I will lace up shoes on my feet, and I will use that to kick you in the back. And then later, when you are cleaning your clothes, you will notice the stain on your pants that you'd, of my shoes. And you'd better have a strong detergent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's resent Like, that's painting the picture of the future yeah where dingo maybe changes sides Mm -hmm. maybe becomes a rogue agent who knows what's gonna happen he's susceptible to a lot of manipulation yep and he deals with a lot of manipulation uh i mean we did i love the idea that they sat through an entire dinner with dingo and didn't figure it out yes Uh, because yeah all of a sudden they see uh, after they ask for the 411 uh from the people on the street Dingo shows up in a costume, in a, in a transformed, and he is I'm t- <laughs> doing a good job. Uh, he shows up in a transformed. He's transformed so well that if you're not paying attention, you might not even notice it first. Yeah, it, it was a very different, like they're trying to make him look like a different person, not yeah. a different object or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's still, he's still orange, he's still bumpy, he, he still, still has, has the same glasses. hair, he's still got glasses, like it's still close to him, but he's like, oh, I know where the, per-, you know, I know where she is, and so... <laughs> But he demands Wait, in payment yes, food. Will you pay, you're right. And and Manic says, oh, I'll, we'll give you something better than money. If you tell us the truth, she'll buy you dinner. And it's like, why is that better than money? Whoa. Like, I didn't. I didn't recognize that. I, I don't think I noticed that. He he said that, that Sonya would buy this guy dinner? Yes. Okay. He, Manic offered Sonya as a date. As a reward, basically. Or maybe we'll just buy you dinner. But he said specifically, she'll buy you dinner. So, yeah. And then, so then when the reveal happens later, and we f- and they find out that Dingo, that it was Dingo, and Sonya screams and says, Ah! I took Dingo to dinner? Like, she says, I took Dingo to dinner. This is bad. It's very bad. So, I, yeah. So, the, I mean, okay, it's, she's the only one of them with money. Right. So there's a... So there's that. It is true that if any of them were to take somebody out for dinner, she would be the only one able to do so. It would have to be. But... But... I can't believe that Manic said that. That was gross. That's very gross. Yeah, we didn't... Yeah. I didn't even... I didn't even notice that during that. Ew. Ew. That's bad. The... Her scream now is even more valid. I hope you screamed for three straight minutes. Yep. I hope... Like... Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Gross. Yep. That's so gross. And, uh, but I want to touch on Dingo's transformation a little bit. So his, uh, the thing that we are now realizing, because when he transforms into Argus, he does a full body transformation. That weirded me out. Like a, like a perfect, he is, he does not look like Dingo anymore. He just looks like Argus with the exception still of his glasses. So the one, the one article of clothing that is always there is his glasses. Mm Mm-hmm. The best thing about this is that Argus has an eye patch. And so the whole time he was Argus, he was a guy with an eye patch wearing a pair of glasses. <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. Two yes. glasses. And like, like it, it, it was really, really funny. And I'm sure that there are people that have eye patches that wear glasses too. But something about the way they framed it and animated it was very funny. Yeah. It's like little tiny glasses with yep. this guy that would only need a monocle or would only need one right, side of that. Right, right. And, uh... Yeah, but it, it is interesting. I guess that's just going to always be our cue that this guy is actually doing Yeah, I guess disguise. so. Uh, and so, yeah, so they've shown, basically they showed his transformations from, like, monstrous and obviously still him progressing toward, like, increasing sophistication. Yeah. All the way to the point of being Argus and, 
looking and sounding just exactly like him. And I'm wondering, I'm, yeah, what limits that? Why haven't they always just been making perfect recreations of things? Yeah, that's a great question, and I don't, we don't know the answer yet. We've seen two perfect recreations. We saw the hot dog machine. But the even then he was, the same, he was colored. Oh, I believe he was yeah. still orange, and like he, his, his color palette had not shifted. That's so interesting. Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah. That's a that's a new wrinkle. I also want to see this device get used on other people. Why is it only being used on Dingo? Is it... Why don't it, they use it on stuff? Like, why didn't they just right. transform all the rocks into smaller rocks? Right, exactly. Is it something that only Dingo can do? Yeah. That maybe... That is an implication so far. Mm-hmm. That there's some relationship between either Dingo's inherent powers or a particular device that's that it can be used on him. I don't know. There was also one action by Sleet onto him using this transforming thing that actually served no purpose except to show that sleep wasn't considering him and it was that he turned him into a fly and said if they come back uh, you'll see them and then it's not addressed again like he does not see them they don't come back until later when he appears at the robo baccalaureate right and lands on sleep and sleep's like oh i forgot you yeah get off of me (laughs) and turns him back into dingo still on his shoulder so he's perched like a giant bumpy parrot and then they fall and then they both fall over cartoons cartoons yeah but the one thing that I loved that Sleet did, which, you know, he was very he was very rude and very thoughtless and a lot more of a like straight villain yeah. in this episode. Um, not a lot of redeeming qualities. But the one moment of his that I loved was when they are approaching the, the island in the middle of the underground lake uh-huh. and they see the cloak. They say, oh, that's our mother's scarf. And they go and grab it. And then they're like, wait a second, this isn't hers. How can you tell? And then Sleet says, like, is it the tag on the back that says property of special agent sleet? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was so it was so funny because Sonic is like, wait, there's something off about this. Yeah. And then he yeah. says, is it the tag? Which is funny because it's like, that literally was the only thing off about it. Yeah. And so for Sonic to recognize there was something off means he would have had to have already read that. But he could, or he, yeah, but he, he couldn't be bothered to read the fine print or whatever. I don't this know. This tag is weird. Something's weird about this. <laughs> It, that's that's hilarious. Good job, Sleet. Except you're still being a jerk. Yeah. The uh, what I think. Like, oh, oh, we didn't even mention on the Robo Baccalaureate. Uh, they, that like Robotnik comes into fanfare and music, and it's like this kind of like party, like yeah, and like Robotnik comes in, and he's like, "Is everybody having a good time yeah, tonight?" Yeah. And everybody in the audience, all of these nobility, all these members of nobility are just kind of staring and one of them blinks. Deadpan, no motion. They just stare. And so at this point, we already laugh like, oh, yeah. that's funny. Like, no, none of them are having a good time because they're under a totalitarian regime. Yeah. And then it cuts back to him and he goes, good, because that would be against the law. <laughs> <laughs> and it's weirdly hype music for his <laughs> profession that there's no fun and no music allowed or whatever but he's there to make an event out of the uh, roboticizing of this figurehead of the rebellion he wants it to be very clear that you're not having a good time yeah and then goes on so far just to like when when he is t- telling Argus as a robot now and Argus when Argus is turned into a robot he's one of the most roboticized people we've ever seen he yeah. looks that he looks he's completely a robot like silver body all the way like no seams or like the shape of him is different like he has not been preserved very much at all it's to the point where i was wondering like as soon as he came out and he was all robot yeah. i was like what's the point of the roboticizer if it just eliminates all of what's Couldn't originally you there? just make a robot out of that so I, but here's what i'm thinking yeah i think uh artificial intelligences must be really hard 
Oh. So we're looking at swap bots, right? And they're yes. not super complicated and they tend to do a pretty bad job. Yep. They've got like a couple of things that they can do. And yes. that's like walk and shoot and try to capture. And they always invariably do a really bad job. Mm-hmm. They fall for every trick. Um, but these people with brains, the other times we've seen them, we've seen them being used as uh, servants for more complicated tasks, yes. like cooking, because yep. we saw her like bring tea. Yep. Um, and now we're seeing him being put in a position of like, your job is actually as kind of a special agent for me now you're going to be like hunting people and like stopping things and being a spy sort of so when they so so they do like give him he is a more powerful robot than many of them are they they're like you there's somehow they specify that they're not able to access his human memories anymore yeah which is something that contradicts the earlier like interrogation of of special agent Derek or whatever like their friend from the rebellion (laughs) yeah where they're like 23 more minutes until we can access all of his memories apparently they roboticized argus so quickly that they have somehow partitioned his old mind yeah and from the from his current tasks so when i'm so what i'm thinking is they're just using a pre-existing brain as wetware for mapping like programming onto it. So yeah. they are creating a robot, but they need a human brain to yep. create a more complicated robot because it's just already got that yeah. system in place. Right. And what this shows is that is that the whatever resemblance I guess whatever resemblance they maintain is like a um a token. It's like yeah. this still looks like Lady Windermere, sort of. Yeah. Because that's screwed up. Like because that's intimidating. Yes. To people who would recognize her. Mm-hmm. Whereas Argus may not be a recognizable figure in his own right. Or they wanted to give him a more efficient, like, military body mm-hmm. because they were going to use him for that sort of thing. But 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 even though they can't access his human memories for some reason, Sonic and team can. Yes. And so uh, what I think we're getting at now is sort of a thematic tie between um, nature and, for lack of a better word, humanity sure. and music. So, like, music and nature have a powerful tie. Yeah. This ability of, like, moving away from technology, which we've talked about before. Okay, yeah. But it was especially prominent today when they were using their music to help someone reaccess their natural state. <sighs> right, exactly, yeah. It's they're, helping they're deep. Their medallions blast some music at Argus. Yeah. And then he's himself again. Yeah. He's, his hum- he's expressing his human voice. His voice turns back, and he's like, oh, God, oh my gosh. You, you, you saved me. <laughs> like, I'm free from whatever mind prison I've been in. Yeah. And there's there's um, a, a sense that, that the uh, Robotnik's oppression has more to do with mental restriction than it does this physical process of turning you into a robot. Yeah. Like, certainly being turned into a robot is an assault yes. and, like, a, a violence that's done. Mm-hmm. But the fact that somewhere in there their human mind still lives. Yeah. And that they are unable to do anything except what Robotnik wants them to, it, to get on that Westworld tip for a second. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I think a likely argument here, right, is that they are, like, yes, their their brains are still in, in some way human, but they're just being reprogrammed. Yeah. And the reason their bodies are turned into robotic parts is because those are more durable. Exactly, right. So they're better servants if they've been uh given robot bodies and it may be uh, you know integral to controlling them like the 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 whatever programmatic means they're using to restrain their thoughts and and restrain their actions is probably part of that system yeah and but there's an interesting case like argus uh 
there's just, there's weird details to the changing of her body. Like one of his hands remained humanoid. Yeah. So it had five fingers. It's fine. And then the other hand just became like a, like a click clack claw. Yeah. It's almost like they're, they're building these robots out of available parts or something. It's very like, weird. And it's, it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's not yeah. clean. It's not a, it's not robotics whole deal is not very efficient. Mm-hmm. Like he, he has this machine that can roboticize people. But it's not like a perfect tool. And the the clean robots that all look the same are poorer servants. Yes. They are the ones that hold on to your corset with one arm and just tug. Exactly. Right. Uh. Right. <laughs> so the, the, the like from scratch. Yeah. They're just they're able to do less. I wonder uh, if the wow. yeah, if the individuality of the person themselves somehow influences the, the robot that gets created. Oh, man. And so 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 before we thought they, they said they even said a few episodes ago, like, Sonya wanted to go save Lady Windermere, and they're like, no, it's too late. She's gone. Yeah. But then they have somehow learned in the interim that their medallions are able to bring somebody back, yeah. even for just a little bit. And so this indicates that, so it, that drained their medallions of power, which was something we didn't know could happen either. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, the, the, they're out of juice. We can't, we can't do it right now. We got to wait for them to recharge, basically. Um, but so they're able to bring Argus back to himself for just a little bit. And then he goes, so, so, now there's the possibility that these roboticized people can be redeemed, maybe for the long term, if they do it right or if they find the right you know, method. So that's what I'm wondering. So what this might suggest is that the actual key, like the reason we need all of them to unite with their mom is that the four of them united might be able to return right. people right. to their original state, which would be a very literal upending of what Robotnik has used to take over the world yes absolutely and they, and they've just gotten these powers right so they're yes. still like the fact is they couldn't do this three episodes ago yes uh so they're learning new things they can do they're practicing as a band the longer you spend practicing yeah the more powerful your music becomes and but i mean and, and we know for a fact she has an object of power she yes. has a conductor's baton yep and so the it might be like uh like, you know, the idea behind Avatar, you know, where people get restored to their original states. Okay, I don't sure. know if you've seen no, Last Avatar. Uh, uh, um, and that that same kind of thing where uh, these, the four of them united, the real key is that they can, they can defeat this programming. Yes. And that could be really, really cool. That's a right. really, that is a really powerful and direct reason for them to be necessary. Yes. It does beg the question, where do these medallions come from? Yep. Uh, because they've had them since they were babies. Yes. Were they somehow created out of magic when they were born? Are they were family they heirlooms? For them? Is it, yeah. Why is it important that they're the ones using the medallion? Like, G- Great questions. Those kinds of things are really interesting. Yep. But the core of this is, like, maybe the reason that this prophecy exists at all is because they are going to be able to effectively stop robots. Yeah. Give them back their humanity. Yep. And it was it was the 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 seer and the queen recognized that whoever they had at hand at the time of Robotnik's takeover was insufficient. Like, yeah. They they didn't have the the total power necessary to just stop this from happening in the first place. Yeah. Because if they could have, they would have. And we can see that Alina and Delphius still have plenty of power, and they could they can take actions, mm-hmm. but they need the the, tw- the the triplets to f- generate enough power to 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 create the situation where they can finally take it back over yeah altogether and it's super cool to me that the main if being roboticized is yes a physical process but like mostly about the the like mental control mm-hmm. and this like 
obvious expression of fascism that Robotnik represents, where he tells Argus after he's been roboticized, like, your orders are stamp out freedom, squash fun, and arrest enemies of state. Mm-hmm. Like, it cannot be any plainer than that. Well, the craziest thing about that, right, is that one of those is a joke. One yeah. of them is something that's too general to really be specific about. Yeah. And then one of them is a very scary real world thing. Yeah. So it's like, s- stamp out freedom. That's just like maybe something he says in a speech. Okay. What does that mean exactly? Right. Squash fun. That one's like a little bit of a joke because it's like a, it's yeah. like a, yes, fun sucks. And yes, there might be a, like a dictator thing, but that's like a thing for kids to be like, oh no. Like, oh no. We need fun. Right. Yeah. And then, but then. And find and destroy enemies of state. Yeah. And it's like, first of all, you're throwing out the term enemies of state in this children cartoon. It's heavy duty. But the deal there is that that stamping out freedom and squashing fun in the they those are maybe silly or nebulous, but they are part of the thought control process. Yes. Yeah. Like stop people from being them like stop people from thinking what they might think otherwise. Mm -hmm. Stop that. You know, we are going to top-down control what everyone is allowed to know and what they're allowed to do and what they're allowed to say. Yeah. Um, in a way that that is, like, uh, terrifying. And it's, <laughs> yeah, and it, but it's making the reason that Sonic, Sonya, and Manic are a band, uh, it's making that make a lot more sense. Yes. Uh, because so far, this show hasn't quite made that clear yeah. in, a, in a direct way until this episode... And they did hint at it last episode, and I guess we just didn't really think about it or okay. catch it. This like no music allowed. Right, right. Yep. Mm-hmm. That like that like the one of the major tenets apparently of this place is that the only music allowed is very specific regulated music. Yes. And that is a very, very interesting and accessible to children yep. way of understanding how a dictatorship works. Yep. Is this idea of like, here is a thing that anyone sensible can recognize as not harmful in a direct way yes this idea that like it would even to the point if at the time it was just kind of funny and weird to kids like yeah. why why does he not like a music like right. what is music gonna do right but then it what the show is doing is through the tie to fantasy mm-hmm. through the tie to magic uh explaining what music can do right explaining what art can do it is empowering like the music is it is powerful it does free you like it does like this like having fun in constructive ways yeah creates your identity like it helps you be yourself being in a band as a teenager is amazing yeah because you learn things and you do stuff on your own and you you find your voice you learn how to fight constructively you learn how to learn from your mistakes and to work as a team and this like the idea of harmony that they're that they're expressed that feels kind of shoehorned in 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 the first moments is actually the process of learning to make music like as a group. And it happened again with a little bit less fanfare in this episode when they do have a little bit of an argument again. When yeah. uh when th- this team has learned how to apologize yep. very very quickly and in a way that is so heartening to see. It's so great. This like instead of these long drawn out fights between these friends yeah. and these siblings, yep. what we're seeing is people making mistakes and then apologizing for them. Sometimes even when it's not a mistake they need to apologize yep. for. And then the other people clarifying like thank you and it's okay that you messed up. Like, yes, that w- toward the end when when Manic apologizes for, uh, uh, try he's like, oh, I was just trying to be cool on my own turf and show yeah. you guys I could be cool, but I guess I screwed it up mm, because and, he's the because he led to them getting caught in the trap. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But then uh, Sonya is like, no, it's cool. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is I get your fault. You did, yeah, you you did that, 
but it's okay. We're going to be all right. Sonia says, even I mess up sometimes. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you're full of heart. <laughs> <laughs> but he almost, but he, he, he's like joking, but also it's a tender moment. Like, like yeah. they're, they do have a little bit, they're, they're simultaneously able to be sweet with each other and a little teasing yeah. at the same time in a way that, that, that feels pretty good. And it's making me feel really good, especially talking about it now. And this is maybe one of the best effects of doing this podcast with you. And like yeah. one of the best things of talking about this show specifically, surprisingly, yeah. is that uh, it it really is starting to become a powerful, uh, like, a powerful argument for art. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it's right on the, the beginning of being a really intentional, like, well-crafted uh, fable yeah. about why art is useful in a society that's trying to control you. Exactly. And, and that it's representative at first as like an energy blast from a guitar, but that actually it's the power of what you're doing together and with your friends. Yeah. Like the, the, that, that it, it's, yes, it is like a very obvious metaphor, a very obvious allegory, but a good one. Like, and, and, and it is being expressed in an increasingly nuanced way. And obvious, but it took us five episodes to talk about it, right? Yes. Like, like uh, it's like yes. It, it uh, in hindsight, even looking at the other episodes, I'm like, how did I not explicitly think that already? Yeah. But because I was like, what does magic have to do with nature? Even early in this episode, I was like, yeah, like, yeah, exactly, yeah. But like, it's such a good, and it also mirrors uh, to share with you guys. It mirrors like why we decided to do the podcast today yeah and not to be too self-important or like right. dramatic about it right. we're not like this uh, is not that important yeah <laughs> this is this is a silly thing that we are doing in order to make each other happy yeah uh first of all yeah. and then hopefully to like uh, make an hour of your life a little bit more fun yeah um but that's kind of what we had to talk about was this like neither of us felt like doing it this week right like and yeah. it, it was a it was a we even the past couple of days tried playing the sonic game to catch up and even doing that was kind of a like it felt miserable. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I guess we'd better do this. And the Sonic game was really fun. We're having a good time. Yeah. But it's something that's definitely going to need. We need more time to like chill out and focus on it and find fun in it so we can talk about that fun. Yeah. Um, but the decision to do this episode today is a lot like that, I guess. It's this like reminder that all we kind of have right now and all that a lot of us have is the ability to share art with each other and the ability to communicate with each other about yeah. things that we like and care about. And so doing that today... Uh, recording this with you is that I mean it's already made me feel a little bit better and that's really cool good yeah I yeah. agree with that and <laughs> and we we have to like we have to increase the level of harmony like mm -hmm. we have to try to hear each other and and do these you know like respond compassionately mm -hmm. when other people make mistakes or when they do things we disagree with or uh, whatever we have to be able to see each other and and the the for whatever other reasons that we are doing this particular thing, it's uh, it's about learning to communicate and listen and 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 to to experience the world through a lens that we were not familiar with. Yeah, yeah, right. And that and that some of the conversations that we've had with people about Sonic since we started this have been like awesome, amazing. Like, yeah. We're having a good time with each other, but then the other people are are sharing with us their experiences and the the joy that it's brought them. And something that honestly, two months ago. I just joked about. It. I just made jokes about Sonic the Hedgehog as like who cares? I, I don't shared even, memes. I don't understand why people care about this. And I stepped outside of my comfort zone mm -hmm. and have 
learn to love it and take a certain amount of personal ownership over it. When other <laughs> yeah. people joke about Sonic the Hedgehog now, or when they say something, they go, hey, that's my thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have a, hey, what are you talking about? That's mine. He's what, mine. What, how, how do you know about Sonic? <laughs> Which is absurd, but also part of the power of, of making art and engaging with with the, uh, something in the, in the role of fandom. Like, this is fan art, mm-hmm. and we're taking a certain amount of shared ownership of it. Yeah. Which also increases our responsibility to it. And it makes me care about how people think about sonic yeah and how people think about each other in relationship to that and that is like that's it that's uh, been an uh, uh, um it's not something i didn't it's not that i didn't understand that before but it's it's a really good example of what happens when you learn about something you didn't know before yeah it's something i've said about sonic before uh just on a surface level experience with him and with his franchise is this idea that to me for a long time what it really represented was capitalism right like ex- like extreme yeah. capitalism and this is a this is a really interesting example of that maybe not being exactly true or being true in varying like sh- the way all art yeah. ends up accidentally feeding into it sometimes sure yeah and i mean we've talked a lot about uh like actually i think we should talk a little bit just about the idea of dystopia okay it's a good time for that because we're covering it in the show sure yeah um yeah and uh we talked a little bit about Black Mirror, and I know this is a, a thing that you've expressed that you're a little bit embarrassed by because you're not sure if you believe it, yeah. but I, something that you said that's really resonated with me and really resonated with a lot of people who have heard you talk about it mm. is this idea that um, sometimes dystopian fiction, uh, perhaps even more often than not, yeah. what it really does is uh, prepare us for acceptance rather than get us ready to fight. That's a good way to phrase it, yeah. Um, and I saw actually a totally brutal tweet about this this week that like wrecked me yeah and i know it's funny to like i love that we live in a world where we can have like brutal treats yeah yeah but it's Um, true yeah it's a medium (laughs) it was it was somebody saying like like watching the election oh this is just like that black mirror episode when and then like being lined up for a firing squad oh this is just like when katniss yeah right this like because that is that is what it is the night of the of even our election we were seeing uh you know like this is the craziest black mirror episode Ever to the extent that the official Black Mirror Twitter tweeted, "This is not an episode. This is not marketing. Uh, this is real life, and you need to address it." Right? This like, yeah. This like crazy, like this crazy thing that I, I, I'm sure I'm sure the team behind Black Mirror and the the team behind all of these dystopian fiction, the goal is always from from the perspective of an artist, the goal is always to uh, scare people, right? To get people yes. riled up, right? As far back as uh. uh what what's some really good classic stuff? Nineteen eighty four, right? Yeah, exactly. The, um, yeah, but and, and there and for for ever since nineteen eighty four came out, people have been saying, "Oh, this contradictory, obvious like lie that this politician is telling with confusing language is straight out of nineteen eighty four. Yeah, and they're right, and there is the possibility that that helps you see it. Except, in I don't know that it like. It, Unfortunately, a lot of what happens is that it familiarizes and normalizes certain things. Yes. And so, and in the way that when people, it's like one of my pet peeves is when you are packing a car with people mm-hmm. and they say, oh, this is just like Tetris. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> Tetris is like this. Yeah. And that's an important distinction that I don't want to get super into, mm-hmm. but the, but reality is the foundation like that's step like that's step zero. And there but and there is and, a conversation about like we use art to create frames of reference. And that analogy is reciprocal. I yes. Yeah. Like I, and I get that that's not like a horrific thing that people say. Yeah. But the extent to which the realization is like it's powerful. It's powerful and it's not all bad, but it's like but how do you frame it for yourself? Mm-hmm. And when you 
maybe one of the worst things about dystopic fiction is that you are powerless to stop it. Yes. You have to... We have sat and watched dystopias Mm -hmm. laid out before us. So that's what I was... And we can take no action. And so we learn to... So in the same way that um, uh, Marshall McLuhan talks about this and uh, various media theorists that I've been reading over the last couple of years have addressed the notion that like we get... The, the, the fundamental idea of being desensitized by media yeah. is that you, you, when you see a starving child on a, on a TV screen around the world, the, you experience the horror yeah. of seeing it with the absolute knowledge that you are powerless to do anything about that, except maybe by giving a penny a day. Yeah. But that, that we ha- you, the human organism responds to that sort of thing by tightening and by dulling the, the, the effect that it has on you. So the thing that Sonic Underground is doing well, yeah. and the thing that the, I think the best dystopian fiction does well, yeah. is it uh, shows examples of people uh, destroying dystopia. Yes. People uh, achieving ways out. Yes. Um, and I think that lines up really well with when we're criticizing people for, or we're criticizing people for criticizing yeah. the way that people handle bad situations, right. is we are saying things like uh things like we all need to come together things like uh everybody just needs to be nice to each other the problem with these things is that they are not true calls to action right yes. they're not they're not specific objectives that you can fulfill exactly um and when we're looking at 1984 uh, uh, honestly a piece of work i'm not super familiar with the ending of but we're looking at harrison bergeron we're looking at yeah. uh even to an extent uh hunger games which does end on the implication of maybe some positive change uh th- what we're seeing in these stories is we're seeing systems that there is no way out of. Yes. We are seeing people telling us once you've hit this point, you've gone too far. Yep. And unfortunately, uh, <laughs> that it, there's not a lot you can do about that. Yeah. Like it is great to make people aware of the worst case scenario in some situations. I think yeah. it's, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's good in some ways. Yes. But when you're watching black mirror, the fundamental reality of that show is once you've hit this point, you've gone too far. Yep. And and that's what every single episode is about. And I've never thought about it in those exact words before, yep. but I, I think I really like that. It's is about a like, point of no return. It's about mm-hmm. crossing the threshold of the singularity and you're just going into the black hole. Yeah. There's nothing you can do. Yes. Oops, you should have done something earlier. Except the problem is, what? Yeah. What should you have done earlier? And how do we map those things to real life? Yeah. How, how do we take this and do something now? And what Sonic Underground is doing in these, even in just these first couple episodes, like, even if you just watched these five and yeah. you were like, what am I supposed to take from this? Yeah. It gives you something to do now. It says, go play music. It says, be kind to each other. It yeah. says, like, because uh, th- these people are clearly, like, even by virtue of the kind of story this is, yep. we know that they succeed, right? Like, they yep. defeat Robotnik and they move on. Maybe they don't in the in the season that we have now. Sure. Maybe they don't get there. Right. But we know ultimately that they, they find their mom and they succeed. Yep. Uh, maybe they'll surprise it, us. Yeah. But the... Uh, what a lot of these other shows don't do is is give you that, give you yeah. success. And that's one of the reasons why I find, this is getting really, uh, <laughs> one of the reasons why I find uh, arguments against video games, specifically uh-huh. this, like, when people say that video games are a leading cause of, uh, like, you know, people being desensitized. Yeah. That specifically because they let, let you do stuff, because yeah. they let you do things. I one of the things that's interesting about that is that we've been presented over and over and over with books and TV shows and movies that first of all, give us no agency in the viewing of them. Yep. And then also have ultimately a message of at this point, you no longer have agency and you aren't going to be able to fix it. <sighs> That's a real video games 
uh, as a whole, they're, they're built on agency. Yeah. You, uh, there are games about agency and there are games that remove your agency, but the best video games and the ones that we are, like classic video game, mm-hmm. the whole idea is giving as much power to you to, to affect change as possible. Yeah. And, and so I think that's super useful. That's great. Exactly. It, 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 even, oh man, it, that's a big topic. Mm-hmm. But it's a good one, and it it is like, it's it's like the, it's the trouble with romantic comedies mm-hmm. is that they get to the marriage and it's over. Yeah, when that is the least important and least interesting part of your life, <laughs> the 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 anxiety of have you found the right mate? I mean, it's a big part of everybody's life, but we don't have anywhere near enough media that shows how do you live with somebody for a decade, yeah, and maintain peace. And we're getting and better, and get, and we're getting better about it. There are there, absolutely these things exist, but for the for the majority of, like, uh, the majority of human artistic output fails to address. <laughs> and maybe that's a little much, but like pop songs that are about oh I'm longing for you, mm-hmm. but there are not enough pop songs about I'm looking for that special girl. Give me the four one one. Exactly. I, 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 we're trying to just like we focus so much on this is what I call heaven syndrome. Where you will reach the end and then you will be happy forever. Uh-huh. Or opposite, the you know, the, the opposite is the dystopia, where you reach a certain point and it's over. Well, that's actually the argument. That's actually an argument for the song in this episode to be good. Because, <laughs> like, again, it is an actionable thing. It is someone saying, I am actively looking for information so that I can make movement, so that I can yeah. affect some sort of change in my relationship exactly. with this person as opposed to a I love you I love you so much why don't you love me right or like and Sonic Underground starts with the dystopia and then says how do we get out of here yeah and that is turning like there are not enough things that do that in my in my opinion mm-hmm. and and not enough, I think they should all do that <laughs> that's exactly right like to, to to write it's it's a very like adolescent impulse to just harm someone with your art yes to just express your pain mm-hmm. to say see you should have done better. It's it's selfish. But now it's, it's over. Selfish. It's very selfish. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's yes, it can be very impactful. Mm-hmm. You can make you feel a lot of things. Mm-hmm. The Black Mirror episodes, I'm not saying Black Mirror's all 100% bad. Yeah. <laughs> but it's very painful and for what? And it's it's like, it, it, it's adolescent to make art that way. And it is um, immature to think that you can harm people into knowing better. Yeah. Like, the, it's yeah. like Black Mirror spanks the audience <laughs> over and over again. Yeah, and there and are, says you should have done better. But but when you get put when you put people into a fear state, they can't make good decisions. So and there's like, there's a book. Yeah, the Trader Brew Cormorant. Yeah, which I've talked about a, a million times in our life, and I would recommend everybody read because I love it so much. Um, but a, a a philosophy and an idea of entrapment that that I had had never considered before. Yeah, is this idea that you don't stop someone by shutting down all choices yeah you stop someone by allowing them to make choices and showing them that it doesn't get them anywhere nice so in the context of the book they're talking about they explain this philosophy as like uh you send someone into a jail and you have them start a jailbreak you have them hand the key to someone and then when they get the key and they try to get out they fail they are set up to fail huh you do that enough times when someone comes in and drops a key on the ground nobody's gonna pick it up whoa like, like that's the that's the that's a big idea in that book. Okay, wow, and yeah. That if you punish someone for trying, that's the real success. Yeah. And I think about that when I think about again. I don't want to totally rag on Black Mirror. Yeah. This is just an example that's mo- that's big in the modern eye right now. Yeah. Every single episode of that is an attempt to get out of the jail. Where, 
that is a show that is at the beginning of every episode convincing you to care about the characters yeah and convincing you to hope that maybe this time things aren't going to go as bad oh no but they do that every episode maybe this time this person who i can see is just a part of a flawed system will find a way out of it and ultimately the thing is that uh, for the vast majority they don't yeah yeah and and the the unfortunate effect that that might have is eventually you've seen enough episodes of black mirror somebody drops the key in front of you and you don't pick it up exactly and that is people talk about black mirror like following up the twilight zone and trying to follow that and the twilight zone does the same thing where it yeah. always ends badly mm-hmm. and even at the end of the episode where the guy everybody else is gone and he says oh well now i have finally have time to read my books and then his glasses break yep and it's like can we not get one moment of relief but the thing is it's actually it is providing a comfort it is providing it is providing a comfort because it is saying you don't have to do anything and there was nothing you could have done yeah yeah like yes it is making an excuse for you not having taken action and and the the number of people who are saying that donald trump being elected president is inevitable yeah is infuriating especially now that the languages come between this like Stuff happens in Brexit, stuff happens in South America, stuff happens here. It's just like... It's like, yes, it's happening. It's just going to happen. It's dominoes or whatever. Right. Oh, oh, there's a trend. And yes, there may be a trend. And yes, there are factors. And yes, it may have been difficult to prevent given the circumstances, but... We can continue to try. It was not inevitable. Yeah. And a bunch of people screwed up. (laughs) A bunch of people screwed up for years. Yeah, in in so, so many ways. But like, the number of people who I know personally who didn't vote... And who say, I don't vote because I don't believe it does anything, are exactly who we're talking about right now. Yeah. Like, the the being convinced of the, the absence of your own agency is uh, horrible. I mean, not voting is is not picking up the key, right? Exactly. It, that, that's you, it. It's like, that's it you, can't even, you can't even act like it might matter. Mm-hmm. You have to go, well, I just, you know, I know they don't count my vote. No, you don't know well, that. Because in the past, it has hurt too much to go through that process and then feel as if exactly. your, your thing was failing. Exactly. So, so it's rough, but you got to pick up the key. You got to pick up your instrument. Yeah. You got to do what you can. And even if it seems there, there are things which are trivial, but they make us happy. And that's called self-care. Yeah. Sometimes, (laughs) sometimes, sometimes you have to put yourself in danger. Sometimes you have to dress up as a robot musician and go to the middle of a robot baccalaureate in order to stop something. Sometimes you have to spin around in circles and flip the whole ground (laughs) over. Cut a disc in the earth. (laughs) But like what the show says is you you do not make change without making a spectacle. That's and right. I find that to be very, very interesting and yeah. very cool. And the inherent way that they solve all their problems by playing whole songs and yep. the way that they find yep. connections with each other by like jamming out is like it's so so good. Yep. It's so so good. And it is it is uh ornaments are hung all over the place of these moments of genuine joy yes the football baby is a moment of genuine joy <laughs> the the moment when uh dingo's about to destroy a water main that's going to flood all the bad guys and sleet says dingo no and sonic leans in and goes dingo yes <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a yes. moment of, that's a moment of genuine joy and it's a moment an exact joke moment that i've seen work very well on movies made a lot more recently than that and i am like because like that oh, i am yeah that, like somebody no somebody yes like yep. i've seen that exact joke made lately in a way that i'm like when did this joke start because that's very funny um and and they did such a good job landing it, it. and yeah, having it, sonic whisper was so funny to me for some yes. reason uh we didn't 
we didn't even touch on the fact that Sonic hated water, which might be a kind of funny meta discussion about everybody hating the Sonic water levels. Yeah, which maybe we'll talk more about next time. Yeah, uh, but oh, but this show this show is doing a good job, and uh, I guess it did a good job right there, in the '90s. <laughs> there's so much good stuff, and I'll say this: the 1890s. Is that, is it, <laughs> Sonic misses out on a lot. Maybe is not like the mainstream hit. They, that Sega has wanted it to be. It's not that it's not a hit. It's not that Sonic isn't big, but there's a certain amount of cultural like contempt for Sonic. Yes, that I myself shared for no good reason. Mm-hmm. But almost, but everyone I've ever talked to who's like Sonic was so important to me as a child is a gem. Yeah, like they are good people. Yeah, and the aggregate effect of Sonic on the culture seems to have been very positive. Yeah, and that is something that I am delighted to learn. And it, it and is a good example of like why do we do this why do we make this stupid show why did they make this stupid stupid cartoon (laughs) that is very good and very Very funny and it's not actually that stupid yeah it has a silliness but silliness is useful and like the people who watch in very specific ways now that we are realizing they have a really deliberate message exactly and the that and the kids who grew up with sonic underground are making this world a better place with their presence yeah and that's it. Things like Sonic Underground are the reason that the younger demographic is is more likely to vote blue, right? Yeah, because we've been exploring <laughs> inclusive themes and compassion at, to an extent that has never happened before in human history. To an extent that it is, it was even in the middle of our half-recognized shows in on TV in the 1700s. Yeah. <laughs> in 1702, when <laughs> Sonic Underground began airing. When it first aired, yeah. Well, well uh, thanks, Sonic. Thanks, Sonic, and thank you, guys. Thanks, thank you. everybody. Um, we, I had, I had a, that was a very surprisingly cathartic moment for me. Uh, I feel very good about that. Yeah. And I, I hope you guys are feeling okay. I'm sorry that you came here to this podcast and had to hear a little bit about it still, but it, beca- it this episode was surprisingly appropriate. Hopefully, ho- hopefully we're, we're, we're uh, uh, furthering your particular conversation and ours. And if you want to talk to us about it, we're here. Yes. If you want to talk about this or anything, or you just want to like, like we are here on that email your two show at gmail.com we're here on the twitter we are like available to communicate about anything we said today if you disagree with us let us know if you do agree with us especially let us know because i care way more yeah um and i, I like agreement yeah i'm pretty in agreement <laughs> but no you're, you're totally welcome to like uh and if we said something that you uh think we hit on a little bit wrong or you have another example of like yep. dystopian fiction that you want to talk about like tell sure. us because i'm totally interested in it and sonic underground is definitely in conversation with that stuff yep um, thanks to Dave Donkin and Goodnight Productions for the mix of Hydrocity Zone from Sonic 3. And thanks to Bulby for the song that we use for Sonic News, which I always forget the name of. But uh, I guess until next time, I'm Caleb. And I'm Nick. And, and you're, you're two shows. shows.